Stream the show on demand at KetchikanRadio.com. Hey, 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 and welcome into First City Forum. I'm your host, Zach Layton, here in the booth with the one, the only, the ever-talented Chaz Gist. How's it going? How are you doing today, Chaz? Very good. Good, good. Thanks for, for coming by on this beautiful hump day afternoon to just jam, as you said. Yeah. Yeah, we're just here to talk about whatever comes up. So, you know, I think everyone knows you as, like, the bassist, right? Like, you just play sure. in everything around town. Like, anytime someone's like, hey, we need a bass player for literally anything, you're like, mm-hmm. I'm the guy, right? How, so how did you come to be the guy? Well, I started playing bass around 15 or so uh, because my friend's little metal band needed a bass player. <laughs> and okay. uh, and that's that's just how it happened. And, and it just kind of spread out from there with... Uh, as far as so I went to Fairbanks for school, mm. mm-hmm. so I did bass in school, and uh, I didn't really play upright bass till then. So Fairbanks, or when you study at the college level, if you want to study bass, mm-hmm. you got to be on upright bass in, in college, unless you're okay. at, at like a special school like Berkeley in Boston or something mm. that's more modern instruments okay. or with more like specialized musical focus. But uh, yeah, so I had learned upright up there, and uh, <laughs> now I do both. Now it's like fifty-fifty as far as uh, gigs in a given week maybe okay. more of the regular ones are upright gigs but a lot more of the one-offs are electric gigs electric gig versus upright gig and so why would you say that they have you study upright and is it because it's like the classical version of the instrument it's just just tradition it's very traditional mm. um and uh you know very old-fashioned for sure i uh in the in classical music and jazz which are the kinds of music that are studied more mm. kind of uh just at the college level the ones mm-hmm. that are like taken seriously by uh, academia academia right yes then uh they were upright bass was played in that music okay where electric is relatively new it's associated with pop music it's not taken as seriously at the college level hmm. and it's strange and silly because uh uh if you're out there working you really do need to do both right yeah um it's unrealistic that Oh, they expect people, oh, I'm going to graduate with bass at this university, and then I'm going to go and play in symphonies? Is that okay. your thing, right? Right. Or, is, or what are you trained for? Big bands and symphonies, where there's less and less of those every year, and, mm-hmm. you know, justifiably. And <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh, those are well, fighting I mean, words, I yeah, think. Yeah. I mean, it, it, how many people you need to hire to have, mm-hmm. like, a, a big band play in your, mm-hmm. you know? It's uh, just so, it's so old, right? So you have to be able to do a whole bunch of different things, and it's mm-hmm. hard to just be a... You know, people do it, but there's just, it's really competitive. Okay. And uh, because you'll have like a an audition for somewhere and you'll have like a hundred bass players from around the world oh, trying wow. to get into a, a actual paid gig at a symphony. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you go to Juno, for instance, Juno, there's only like two, a handful of uh, paid players in the symphony, okay. right? If they fly right. people in, they get paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of the locals get paid, but for the most part, um, it's always a volunteer operation. Hmm. Um, in big cities, it's not so much the case, but yeah, know. definitely here in Southeast, I think it's, it's difficult to get anything like that going right yes. as a paid gig. So I can imagine something like a symphony that's, or a big band that, that has that many moving parts, yeah. especially. So you went to college to study bass and what, what really drove you to go that route versus maybe going just in the professional route? Cause I, I yeah. just saying, cause I, I empathize like sure. as a dancer, I did a similar thing. Yeah, I, yeah. 
I, I studied dance and then went to college for dance and then ended up becoming a mm-hmm. professional dancer, but after college. Yeah. Um, but I don't even think my college, my college experience was more training, like continued education versus yeah. like that being an avenue into the profession that I went to. It's not so much that it really is an avenue into the profession. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I didn't expect to get, I got full scholarships and everything. I oh, didn't wow. expect to get any scholarships. Like I, I was never in the plan that I would, it was never a given that I'd be able to mm. go to university. I just figured I'd end up like a fisherman, like everybody else I knew. <laughs> right. And uh, son so of when the son opportunity of a came, I ended up going and uh, I couldn't think of anything else that I should do. Mm. And uh, they had a okay music program at the time, UAF. Um, now they have a little TikTok page and it's the most embarrassing thing I've oh, ever no. seen. Oh, so you're, you're anti-TikTok? Um, I'm anti my old music program on TikTok. <laughs> when they have all these little these little theater kids running it, and they're like the most embarrassing people I've ever seen. Oh, no. And it's like, oh, you think, oh, all these little Zoomers are going to be great at this, and they're just terrible, unspeakably bad. But I don't know if that's just the nature of TikTok itself, is it? I would say so. And that's part <laughs> of it. But also, it's like, these guys aren't funny. Why are you doing this? Who put you in charge of this? This is terrible. Hire somebody. Yeah. And then all the professors I knew were gone, and, you know, a lot of changes up there. Hmm. But um, when it comes down to it, in the arts, nobody cares where you went to school. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, there's situations where they can care. If you're teaching, they can care, mm-hmm. right? Oh, so definitely. if you went to some big, big uh, cool music school that's very famous, mm-hmm. uh, then, yeah, you could put that on a resume, and you can teach somewhere, perhaps. Or you mm-hmm. can teach at another university and just restart the cycle mm-hmm. of just teaching at university so that people can teach at Universities, universities and just do a yeah. loop mm-hmm. but uh feed out, the machine yeah but out in the world it's really um audition based and you can either mm-hmm. do it or you can't and i know plenty of people who got out of music school and still can't do it they're still useless mm-hmm. they still have no ears um and but they're then going off to just teach elementary school or something mm-hmm. right so that's like that's the the route that they had in mind if you're in music ed uh, mm-hmm. It's the only kind of stable job that you can, like, for sure get with benefits. Right. Because there's always need for teachers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, if you're just out there being a cowboy like myself <laughs> and just uh, and just hustling, nobody's ever asked where I went to school. Nobody cares. Right. Right. You can either do it or you can't. Mm-hmm. So that's basically, it's basically just based purely on merit. Like, yeah, what, what do you bring to the table? Much. What your skill level is? And also, I would imagine, like, what's your entertainment value too? Like yep. it's your personality as well. Yep. So with that being said, you said you're, you, you just self-described cowboy rock cowboy. Only it, it, in like a mercenary kind of <laughs> sense. Right. You know, um, arguably the travel. arts is the freest market that we have, mm. of course. And, but you, the stereotype certainly mm-hmm. isn't that. And of course, uh, I don't know where I'm going with that. Yeah, it seems but like you know you're like. I'm definitely don't think of myself as a cowboy. I'm just as no, a metaphor for. I know what you mean. Yeah, like a gunslinger, like ha- have have base will travel. Yeah, yes, like you yes, will go yes, yes. wherever the job is, like yeah. whatever the thing is. So, with that being said, what are some of the things that you're working on in Ketchikan right now, or maybe even down south or in Juneau, some um, places like that? In Ketchikan, let's see. In June, I'm doing a little collaboration with uh, one of the dancers, Shelley. Oh, and, nice. Uh, yeah. In she's not in yours now. Which in uh, Andy Amo Dance Company, yeah. yeah. And uh, for some kind of uh, hoop dance, something or other. <laughs> um, and we're going to start rehearsing for that next week. Oh, nice. Um, for big shows, 
I don't have any special ones coming up right away in Ketchikan. But you play regularly. I play regularly, yeah. So there's I, I have the weekly restaurant gigs that you have mm-hmm. at the New York on Fridays, for instance, with Dave and Hannah, mm. Fish House on Sundays. When Bush Pilots opens up, we're probably going to be playing there on Thursdays. Oh, nice. Um, Is there and a timetable on that? Uh, I, I couldn't tell you. I mean, it's just getting closer. No, I mean, it's just, it's closer and closer. (laughs) And he's relying on, when you're relying on contractors and stuff, Mm. and they all have to figure out, there's, oh, we need this contractor to do this before I can do this. Mm -hmm. And you have to wait on that contractor. And then, oh, that contractor, oh, no, I need this other contractor to do this, or the engineer or something. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So there's a lot of moving bits starting a business for the first time. But the guy Jeremy's really good at it. He's just a super effective human. So. I don't know what the timetable is, but mm-hmm. I know it'll happen. Mm-hmm. So Thursdays you'll be there. Fridays that's, that's you're at the, the New York. Sundays you're at Fish House. Mm-hmm. So we have plenty of opportunities yeah. to come. Saturdays there's usually some kind of one-off bar gig or a special like uh, private event. Okay. You know, so there's usually something. And then I uh, I teach in the afternoons as well. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. And then is that something that you started on your own or you teach – are you teaching at a school or I, is no? I've own? been uh, I've been giving private music lessons since high school. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. So since I was about sixteen, I had my first students, and I've pre- it's been pretty consistent since then. Mm. I did it in college. I did private music theory tutoring for like the freshmen, mm. and uh, yeah, uh, I've been doing it ever since. Just a private studio, so I have you know maybe I'll have like a dozen students at most at a time, and I teach uh, low strings, so upright bass, cello. Mm. Um, electric bass, guitar. It's mostly guitar these days, just because it's more popular. Mm-hmm. And then just music theory coaching. So you just you just rattled off a bunch of instruments yes. there. So it sounds like basically anything with strings you can play and teach someone to play. No, not high strings. Not high Hannah, strings. Hannah Carrick does high strings. So that's that's going to be your like violin, viola. Violin, viola. Yeah. Okay, but so any anything low strings like guitar, uh, bass, yeah. cello, anything like that. Sure you can play now uh before the show you know this 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 is the part that you miss if you're not listening is there's this whole conversation that happens ahead of time while we you know we're getting to know each other listening to the news and whatnot beforehand uh you, you're saying some rather uh, uh derogatory things about the mandolin care to elaborate as, as just an example of what i was talking with tracy outside of instruments that are often impractical because uh you don't hear much mandolin but i mean that's a situation where oh Mandolin is an example. Like banjo could have been an example. Mm-hmm. How many times are you seeing a banjo in a band? But if you're in Juno, everybody's playing banjo and mandolin, and nobody plays drums, and it's <laughs> okay. bereft of drummers, and it's embarrassing. Um, so you know, it just depends. I mean, mandolin's small; it's easy to travel. It's not inconvenient that way. It's just that um, you don't have a lot of demand for it. And then, so as a musician, like you were saying, people who don't have the ear, you know, for me as a as a novice, you know. I don't necessarily even hear the difference. Like if somebody's playing a mandolin in lieu of a guitar, I'm not going to uh-huh. be like upset about it. But it sounds no. like there's like a this this is this is an issue for you. Like as a musician, you're like, how dare you play Journey with mandolin instead of guitar? That could be cool. Stuff like that can be really cool. It's just that it's uh uh okay think about it with the right voice. If you're like a like singer songwriter person, you mm-hmm. could make mandolin work just like people use ukuleles where. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a very high register instrument, maybe it'll blend with a lower voice a little better, mm-hmm. you know, um, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Some people play bass and sing. Like, there's a lot of women who play bass and sing. Mm. It uh, You have low register, and then you have the, it doesn't step on your high register voice. 
Mm-hmm. So you can make choices like that. But as far as just trying to be out here marketing yourself, mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't do it here if I was a, a mandolin player. <laughs> um, as a bass player, every genre of music you can imagine uses bass in some form or another. So right. um, the more you know, the more kind of uh, opportunities you can get. And even with guitar, you know, there's like a dozen guitars for every bass player out there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, everyone uh, wants to be the guitarist. Yeah. So. So, you know, you play a lot around here, but what are some of your, like, some examples of some of your favorite places that you've played? Either, let's say, let's break it in uh-huh. two. Like, some favorite places to play in Ketchikan uh-huh. and favorite places that you've played outside of Ketchikan. In Ketchikan, uh, the shows with Austin at like, uh, the Civic Center, mm. for instance. Mm-hmm. Like doing, Motown. Or... Yeah, the Motown show was super fun. Uh, big one-off shows like that can always be, you know, fun and exciting. Uh, the Cabaret, of course, mm. now that it's back open and we can start organizing shows there mm-hmm. again, that's great. A lot of my favorite gigs have been there because that's the only real dedicated music venue. Mm-hmm. Um, I use the word dedicated lightly. <laughs> but Care to elaborate? No. No. No comment. <laughs> No, I think it's great that they're back. The Creek Street Cabaret is back open. Yeah. I think Carl did a really admirable job of navigating that whole situation. Yeah. And it it really does show that the community was invested yeah. in him and in, in that project because we need a venue like that. Yeah. Like you said, that is dedicated music yeah. venue. Yeah, it's it's helpful a lot. Because otherwise, to organize, uh, to organize your own show, then um, there's a lot of stuff that just isn't appropriate for doing mm-hmm. in a bar. And then... Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's too would be too small and intimate to want to do at the Civic Center, mm-hmm. or and then maybe North Tongas, for instance, is too mm-hmm. out of the way, mm-hmm. and that's more of like a private party venue, right? So having yeah. the uh, having the cabaret right in town, um, where I have pretty much free reign to organize like jazz shows in mm-hmm. there, or when we have visiting artists come in, it's easy mm-hmm. to get them in there, and so it's hard without it. But uh, um, I made do last summer. We figured it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then what about outside of Catch Can? What are some examples of some... I've been going to Juno a lot lately. Okay. I have two trips in Juno um, in April. So I'm leaving like March 31st to play with Shelley Watson, a singer from New York. Oh, wow. Um, and it's like a pickup band scenario. And uh, so if there, when there's uh, things in Juno with any kind of stakes um, and uh, they need a bass player who's very, very flexible, then they send me up to Juno. And that's steaks been going like well. like meat, like slabs of meat. Yes. No, oh, I do not. I mean high stakes. <laughs> oh, I mean high like, stakes. I mean like where there's anything on the line where we can't have where we can't make mistakes. Oh, I see. I see. Uh, and it was just for any kind of large show mm-hmm. with the big amazing artists where we need a variety of styles played. Mm. Right? There's a whole lot of bluegrass in Juno for some reason, <laughs> and uh, so you have a lot of like bluegrass bass players, uh, but a whole lot of people who can't really do much much else besides their one fun little thing. There's not really a class of working musicians advocating for themselves up there, mm. too. So, like, your regular gigs aren't paying as well up there as they are down here, even. Mm. But your one-off gigs, which is, so it happens one weekend, maybe, mm-hmm. like this one, right, can actually pay very well. Mm. Because when you have a ticket price, oh, well, you have X amount of tickets, you have more people in Juno who can afford the tickets, so there's more people overall, it's about mm-hmm. twice the size, but it's also a rather wealthy community with all the government work mm-hmm. and, you know... And that pretentious whale they have by the bridge. <laughs> no animosity whatsoever. Oh, there's, there's things to like. There's things that frustrate me. But it's been fun to travel for it. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, travel trips are nice and profitable. And it's a good relationship 
and building up there. And then uh, later, we're, I'm going to Folk Fest, so I'm going to Folk Fest on the ferry. Hmm. And then I'll be there for a week, and I have about nine gigs organized so far and for Folk Fest. Oh, wow, that's a lot. Dude Mountain will be coming up on Wednesday, and they have about three gigs organized. Okay. And, uh, and then in July, we have another trip to Juneau where, uh, for Alaska Fashion Week. So Dude mm-hmm. Mountain's going to be the band for Fashion Week, and we're going to do some kind of some kind of intermission show for the... I don't know what the, what the whole format is, but right. we're doing an after party and a big intermission show. Now, how long has Dude Mountain been together? Because it, it seems like that's, you guys have kind of coalesced more recently, It's really just right? like a year, year and a half, something like that. And how did that come to pass? Because you were all sort of doing your own thing, right? And then Well, we were the open mic band for a long time with Joe. I so see. So it was Colin and I were always behind Joe. And then when Kalijah got to town, mm-hmm. uh, we had him playing drums up there uh, when he would show up. And we had other drummers, too, and we mm-hmm. cycling through drummers. Right. But uh, we'd... Eventually, we became really the regular open mic band, and so we got a lot of practice just kind of playing mm-hmm. with each other and just reading each other's signals and in improvised musical scenarios, which a lot of times the the uh, open mic is kind of a live band karaoke setting yeah. where people come up with songs, and I listen to it real quick, I tell people the chords, <laughs> and then we go. And so you're the facilitator for the live karaoke that was open mic, or is open mic. It is still. It's at the Fish House yeah. now. Um, so, you know, if, if anyone hasn't been to open mic, uh, or had been like, if you've seen it before when Joe was here, who's the host right now? Right now it's Brittany. Brittany Rickers. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, Joe gets back in a couple weeks though. Oh, awesome. So be Glad to have him back. But you know, it's, it's fun cause people will come up and say like, Hey, do you know this? Or I'd love to sing this song. And then they kind of just look at each other and like you're saying, you facilitate, yeah. you tell them the chords and then they play off the cuff a song that they've maybe never practiced together before right certainly never practiced as chances are that if somebody's requesting some kind of song it's uh, some kind of pop song that's one of us has heard before Mm -hmm. if nothing else so they can kind of communicate what the what the beat and feeling is but uh um and if i've heard it before i can maybe check their key check the singer's key i have them sing the first word for me and then uh i find the key of it and tell everyone the chords in that key. So it's different from... But if I haven't heard the song before, which is perfectly likely for anything written after, like, mm. 1970. <laughs> okay. Uh, Not your style. Or after 1980, perhaps. The okay. 70s were very good. <laughs> but, yes, um, no doubt. We can't. We need to circle. We'll circle back to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, if it's, a like, a, a more, a newer... Something came out top... It's in the billboards, like, right now. Chances are I have to listen to it, and it only takes a little bit. It only takes like a less time to hear the than it takes to play the song to figure out what's going to happen essentially because okay. songs all kind of use a lot of the same rules and guidelines. And if I know mm-hmm. what the first uh, verse is going to sound like and the first chorus is going to sound like, well, the next verse and chorus are going to sound like that too. Mm-hmm. And if there's going to be some other kind of change, it's going to be at this point in the song. And, mm-hmm. oh, if it uses this pattern of chords, the next pattern of chords is probably going to be this. And so it's just a whole complicated flow chart um, of, uh, of Like a formula, right? Yeah, it is like a formula. As a bass player, it is very much like a formula. Okay. It's kind of like you have a little kid's toy where you have a bunch of, like, a, you have a triangle shape, and you put a little triangle box in there, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's like, oh, this one sounds like a triangle. I'm going to put a triangle bass line in there. Okay. And uh, and I'll tell everyone else, oh, this one's a triangle, and then the band all knows what it is. Which, okay. that language sounds like, oh, this is a 1, 6, 4, 5 in G that goes to the 4 mm. on the bridge. 
And that's the chord progression. That would be the chord progression, and it tells you the key. I would say it's whatever style, like it's a funk song, whatever. Mm. Now, have you ever heard of the four chord song by yes, Axis of Awesome? If yeah, you yeah. haven't, if you haven't heard it before, listeners out there, uh, YouTube it. It's the the four chord chord song mm-hmm. by the Axis of Awesome, and basically, what is it like? Some ungodly percentage of yeah. pop songs, like all of your favorite pop songs, yeah. all have the same chord yes. four chord progression. We call it the Axis progression these days. Yes, because, because of, of them. them. Yeah. And it's and the the they're a comedy music troupe, kind of similar to like Flight of the Concords ish. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, not a, Concords is more folk and they're more sure, rock. Sure. But yeah, the fact that that got named after mm-hmm. them is really cool. So that's cool that you can just now. Here's the thing that I think is interesting. You just like nonchalantly were like, oh yeah, somebody comes up to me and like says the name of a song and and they sing the first line and we we just like play it. Now as a non musician, that sounds impossible. Like that's you just said that like oh yeah whatever this is nothing like that's an amazing feat that you can just hear yeah. you just know that and can hear that well if uh, language works mostly the same way you just said a whole bunch of words without thinking about what every word means you just had the intention mm. you had the concepts in your head and it and it just comes out mm-hmm. because you've because you're immersed in it mm. and because uh, um, yeah you you've been speaking the language since you're a baby mm-hmm. right we don't have to. It's incredibly complicated that we do language, but our brains are built to do it. Hmm. And that's kind of how it works. Um, yeah. I've never heard anyone describe music in that way as a as a as being comparable to language, but I guess, you know, it has letters, right? <laughs> yeah, there's letters, but it's uh, <laughs> it's just that uh, just like language has all these rules and syntax where mm. you can kind of make your own words to suit the situation sometimes. Hmm. Right? If uh, when you need to describe something you haven't described before, you can like plug a bunch of words together, mm-hmm. for instance, or um, you can think of German with the hyphens. Are mm-hmm. they you know long German words are just a bunch of or any kind of German smaller concept, words. just a bunch of smaller words just shoved, shoved against together. each other, right? As an example, but mm. um, uh, if you hear one part of a song, you know that oh, this melody note is here relative to this key. Her melody note, this the singer's coming up. Her melody note is here, so it's kind of like uh, it's just an algebra equation. Hmm. It's just algebra, somewhere between algebra and geometry, where x over this equals this over this. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how it feels. Well, I would also say too, like as an as a fellow artist, mm-hmm. being in the arts allows for us to have a more divergent thought process, where like you were able to just extrapolate that out into the correlation between language and and mathematics and and you're able to see those things because you're not you're not so focused in on like seeing it in a very narrow pathway right you're sure. able to say oh you can see how the things are connected like through the web sure if you will um do you feel like your training that you had like either the, the what you taught yourself or you know what you learned at school like really led you to that or is that something that you kind of just have naturally as a person um I went to a workshop in Nashville a long time ago, mm. right after I got out of college. Uh, with Victor Wooten, who's mm. a very famous bass player, okay. he has this uh, bass and nature camp where it's <laughs> uh, like three parts bass and music theory and performance and then one part nature and survival <laughs> skills, with the idea being that if you're a bass player, your chances are you're going to live outside at some point, <laughs> I think. But uh, That's amazing. Yeah, but they explored a lot the music and language <laughs> analogy. 
Okay. Right? Which is common in, you know, and it's just an analogy. It's just a metaphor. Mm -hmm. There's places where that breaks down. It's not Mm. that, uh, you know, that a certain musical phrase or thing means a specific thing. Right. Right? It's not necessarily the same as language. But there's all sorts of things that you could say work like language in your Mm -hmm. brain and, uh, and how you learn. Mm-hmm. Right, and that you want to be. It's hard to learn mu- learn music from reading books, and it's hard to learn language from reading books. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, as an example, right? You have to be immersed in it and be a play. You have to jam with people who are better than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're learning language, you're talking to your parents and friends and older people all the time. Yeah, people that are kid, better at the language. Yeah, people who are better at it, and mm-hmm. then you pick up little things here and there, and then you get better and better and better. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's not metaphor. a sport at the college level. It's definitely very old school very dated mm-hmm. as far as how it, people are trained and it's very much uh and there's schools that are doing it that are more modern mm-hmm. uh with their methods but so much of it is based around notation and uh what we, we mentioned earlier maybe i don't know if, if we were rolling yet we're talking about uh just classical study when you're yeah. going and you learn uh everything through sheet music but then out in the world very rarely do i encounter sheet music mm-hmm. um It'll be like a, a chart, like a lyric chart or something if I get okay. anything. But for the most part, you're sent recordings of things and you have mm-hmm. to make your own decisions. And when you're, if you're in a symphony or something, you know, you have every note written out for you. But out in the world, most of the time, um, you know, if they need a note, you know, notes written out to be played, they can get a, some kind of AI synth <laughs> to do it. Yeah. Right? Um, chat GPT. Yeah, synth. get ch- chat GPT <laughs> for your uh, recording session. <laughs> and just yeah um that's how it feels you have to be able to make your own creative decisions mm-hmm. that's not necessarily taught a whole bunch you have ear training classes and things but ear training is a lot less useful when you're just told what to do anyway because you have mm. notation all the time where really the point of music theory and ear training is to be able to understand the things that you hear because mm. that's where that's where music is that's where it's happening mm-hmm. most music that you encounter in the world isn't written down anywhere mm. so they need you to be able to think for yourself if I, as a bass player, am going in, say, for the show uh, next week in Juno. Right. Uh, I don't know what the set list is or nothing. Uh, they'll probably send out some of that information and I'll listen to some songs. But uh, most of the work is going to be making those decisions in performance and uh, with all the kind of, with just like language and just like mm-hmm. talking like this, where I don't have to... I don't have to rehearse this like a speech. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the rules of language, and I can just put a bunch of words and thoughts together, mm-hmm. and it comes out fine, um, and everybody understands. And that's basically what it's like. Mm-hmm. I know I go in there, I know all the rules, and I can, after hearing the first couple notes, like, okay, this is a swing, we're in this key, boom, and then we, there's certain kind of expectations for the bass player in that situation, for certain expectations for the drummer in that situation. Mm-hmm. And you can just kind of go, and it it's... Uh, it is like language. You're just talking mm-hmm. with a bunch of people. So it's a very different expectation than what you were were taught, maybe like in an academic yeah. setting. Now, we had you had said something. You know, it's harder for you to pick out a key or pick out a, a tune if it's written after you said '70s, but then you <laughs> changed the '80s. Uh, so, so it sounds like you're more into earlier music or older music. And where well, it's just I don't listen to music very much on my own time. Really, to be totally honest. Yeah, if it's it's always it's it's a very active process. And I can't just passively do it. I can't listen hmm. to music while doing anything else, because hmm. um, uh, I I automatically figure out how it's you know I know I learn what the chords are automatically, 
right? And so it is part of, it feels like part of work. And in my own time, often I really appreciate silence, to be totally Interesting. honest. Because, like, you know, as you know, I listen to music constantly sure. or audiobooks. I love audiobooks too. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's a really good way to read without having to read. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, I would have assumed that you listen to music constantly, yep. that you're just constantly listening to music and taking uh, in new things. It's just that it's such an active process. And then I'm playing music all day, especially in the summer, right? right. And so I get home and I just want to just not listen to music for a while. <laughs> okay. And then, uh, you know, I'm always on YouTube or something. I'm watching mm. videos. I'm or pl- playing games or whatever. But um, those are all active processes. If I'm listening to music, I'm kind of studying it, and I can't turn that off very well. So it's difficult for you to just listen and just absorb. Does that mean you don't go to see shows? Or well, I usually do don't it? have the opportunity to see shows because shows happen on weekends, and I have shows on weekends. Mm. So, yeah. When was the last time you got to enjoy a live music performance? A couple years ago, I was down in Portland mm. and visiting my friend, and I went to a little little jazz bar mm. that had cool non-alcoholic top cocktails and like mm. a little menu specially for it that I thought was really cool. And uh, I'd never seen that before, so that was special. But then there was a little jazz trio playing, and I uh, recognized the bass player mm. from YouTube when I was learning how to play bass and studying myself and he That's had fun. a big educational resource online and he was uh he was i knew he, in my head he lived in portland but i didn't put it together that he was there and i got <laughs> okay. to talk to him nice and uh but you know because i was i was traveling i was on vacation mm. it wasn't even a gig travel it was like thanksgiving meetup mm. so okay. usually when i travel it is for a gig in which case i'm not you know i'm not going to concerts and stuff i'm right i have no free time constantly yeah mm-hmm Awesome. So, yeah, sorry, circling back again, again. So where would this, uh, like you said, you don't listen to music a lot, but where's your appreciation for older music come from? Um, I hang out with Dave a lot. Maybe that helps. Dave Dave Rubin. Rubin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, uh, all history revolves around the Beatles and Jimi Hendrix for Dave Rubin. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) So one way or another. And, uh... (laughs) The crux of all civilization yeah. turns on the Beatles. Uh, Mom uh, sang and played guitar, and she, she was in a band with Dave oh, okay. at some point. Um, so I had plenty of music exposure through her, but I didn't necessarily, because my mom was doing it at the time, I didn't really want to be associated with it. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be associated with what, you know. I Now it's like, oh, God, I wish I had her teach me how to cook and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But things she was doing, I, I didn't want to, it was a tender situation. Mm. But, but so there was often music going on, but it was mostly live music. We didn't, when I was raised early, we didn't have electricity, right? It was a homestead situation. Okay. So I didn't have a habit of having recorded music around. Hmm. When iPods and stuff came out and MP3 players came out, I didn't, it never occurred to me that I should be having music going on while I'm walking around, uh, for instance. You know, didn't have internet access for a long time. Okay. And where was that at? Uh, I grew up on uh, Gravina, the southern tip of Gravina. Okay. Where you got the airport. I know, I know you're mm-hmm. new here. Yeah, new, new, newish, uh, yeah. Airport Island, southern tip of it near Melicatla. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Doll Bay, and that's where I lived until okay. I was like four or five, something like that. Because when you say homestead, I, I, I lived in Oklahoma for a yeah. time, and that's like my initial, oh, yeah. that's my, my reference point, being, sure. being from down south. I'm like, oh, you know, but I knew you were from you know here. You know what that means, yeah. Yeah, interesting. So would you say that, because you had mentioned it before, that jazz 
is your favorite genre of music to play, or do you, is there actually? It's, very, it's more fun to play than it is to listen to most of the time. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I I enjoy it jazz. Yeah, good. That's great. I think a I lot of people. I appreciate you for that. But thank you. Uh, um, yeah, it's very fun to play, but it's the improvisation aspect that's most important to me, mm. and I don't really care what kind of music music it is, as mm-hmm. long as there's that improvisation aspect that there's this this free open decision making mm. and uh um that's different from playing metal i started with metal mm-hmm. in high school which right, is more that. what we call through composed so like a symphony mm. is through composed they're not okay. making decisions on the fly like every guitar solo or whatever in metal is organized beforehand and like mm. composed specifically where in say dude mountain for instance it's uh a little more a little more like jazz in that you're reading reading each other every sections are different every time but even more so like it the harmonic language like the the chords and stuff aren't mm. as complicated but you'll have whole sections that are different from thing from performance to performance you might add things or take away things mm-hmm. and or you know do things completely different in a way that in jazz you kind of have the same loop that goes around mm. which is the the uh the, the chord progression essentially the harmony right that moves around we know what chords are coming we don't ex- we don't expect that there's going to be another section that pops up out of nowhere right but in uh something like dude mountain which is like a psychedelic jam band kind of situation <laughs> you have Fun. the chords can change from performance to performance mm. that you can have whole new sections and whole new new things and it's all just a matter of just reading the room and reading mm. each other and oh, it and relying on each having a familiarity with each other's tastes, mm. and know that okay, he's going. He's I suspect that Colin is going to make this kind of choice, so I'm going to come down. Mm. Or he's uh, oh, we're no, we're going to go up here, so I'm going to come up in energy and play a little faster, or play mm-hmm. a little higher or lower, whatever. And uh, so it's different kind of uh, improvised decisions mm-hmm. where uh, each. The sound moment to moment isn't that complicated or thick like in jazz, where you have. Mm. But you in jazz, you also know what sounds coming. Mm-hmm. So you have kind of an, an idea. So yeah. it sounds like you really enjoy the the freedom of expression yeah. that comes from playing jazz, and then that's kind of what has dominated this the at least the the methodology behind Dude Mountain. Now, yeah. what what was the you said it was like a psychedelic what? Just like a psychedelic like, rock band rock trio, band. psychedelic jam band. Yeah, have not had the pleasure of seeing yeah. Dude Mountain yet, minus outside of the, being the the open mic band. Sure, sure. Uh, so now, would, do you play mostly covers, originals? It's mostly originals. Um, awesome. And uh, that's what's exciting about it because I haven't done a whole bunch of that. I've uh, I'm a supportive character as a bass player, so it's mm-hmm. my job mostly to just facilitate whatever's going on, and it's not necessarily my job to be like making the bands myself oh, okay it's to oh i rely on what other people around me can do mm. where you know i can't go into a coffee shop as like a as just a bass player and really and like get a gig mm. right so compared to like a guitarist or a pianist can you know like sing and play guitar or something mm-hmm. and uh but yeah playing bass revolves around being a supporting character that mm-hmm. figures out what's going on and can try and make it better mm-hmm. but uh i've been having more gigs as a uh just as a freelance travel basis li- mm-hmm. lately like the juno gigs and we just got back from seattle and astoria with the ratfish wranglers and that mm. was great um a, a question earlier about favorite places to play astoria oh the, yeah uh columbia theater in astoria that's one of the favorite mm. ones it's a big theater 
like a movie theater. It's the oldest oh, okay. uh, settlement on the West Coast. Oh, um, wow. Astoria is, or Western settlement anyway. Mm-hmm. But it's, the stage is just like a long like theater, like movie theater stage. It's okay. just a little thin strip. Little strip, yeah. And so we're all single file. <laughs> and you have a bunch of, it's a movie theater, but you have a bunch of couches in front. Oh, nice. And uh, it's a really old building. And so that's really cool. We played the High Dive in Fremont in Seattle that mm. Thursday, and there was a line block and a half down the door, and that was great. Nice. As a nice, like, dedicated, uh, like, real Seattle venue, where shoulder-to-shoulder, like a punk venue kind of oh, atmosphere. Oh, nice. Yeah, we were talking about, uh, Tracy and I were talking about punk. Yeah. Well, I think it was last week. Uh, and that's really, you know, Seattle is the, the birthplace of grunge, yeah. um, which, how much did the grunge scene like influence you being in close proximity to Seattle being here? Like how much did um, that influence you getting into bass in the first right. place? It did not. It did not. I don't think I learned the word grunge until much later. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'd never been to Seattle until I was like 25, okay. even though it's right there. Um, hmm. Travel's expensive. I never hmm. had much reason to leave. Um, didn't have much family connections or anything down there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and mostly it's just a travel expensive. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a big fan of cities most of the time anyway. Uh, so I'll go to Seattle to have a couple gigs and make my money and come back. Okay. That's, I'm happy to do that. And then you had mentioned (laughs) Nashville before. Have you played there as well? I haven't played in Nashville yet. I was down there for Cullen's wedding Mm -hmm. and I went there, uh, for Victor Wooten's camp a long time ago, but I Mm -hmm. didn't really see Nashville at all. We got on a bus straight from the airport and just went out there to the boonies. Popped over. Yeah. Would you say like as a... As a traveling musician, yeah. a, a mercenary for sure. hire, what are some places that you would dream of playing? Like, what are some, like, if you could play anywhere, yeah. like, what are some places you really look at and say, I absolutely would love to play there? It would be cool to do, a, like, the Blue Note or something in New York, mm. right? So, like, an old jazz club mm-hmm. in uh, New York would be cool, but I'd be happy with just about anywhere. I don't really care about playing in, whether I'm playing in stadiums or not, mm-hmm. Um We've played for Salmon Fest before in uh, Ninilchik, up by Homer, mm, okay. which is like a 10,000-person music festival. It's the biggest one in Alaska. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, that's great. But it, it takes a lot for me to leave Alaska. I really uh, would, whatever I'm doing, I'd rather do it here. Mm. And I don't really care to play, like, I don't know, the, uh, what's what's the thing famous? I'm blanking on what all the famous theaters are. A lot of those East Coast, old, old Carnegie Hall. Carnegie Hall. Like, something like, like that. Yeah. Like, I don't really care about doing that. But some place like CBGB or something like an old place or, like, yeah. Blue Note, like, would be interesting yeah. to you or somewhere. But it's it's something like the Blue Note is still more intimate than, you know, I don't care about, like, a stadium band. No, no, Staples Center, Rose I'm sure, Bowl. yeah, it would be great. It would be a great <laughs> opportunity. But uh, so far that's stadium. usually not what I'm thinking about. If that stuff happens or doesn't, uh, that's not what I'm chasing, really. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you like the connection between yourself and the audience too, if that's sure. the case. Like you sure. like the cat creepy cabaret because it gives you that intimate feel. You sure. like, you know, you're you're okay to play the stadium, but you would rather play. I've never played a stadium, just to make that clear. Oh, okay. Just, uh, the music. So maybe fe- I would have different feelings about it if I played <laughs> stadiums, and maybe that's all I would care about. I've never played in a stadium or danced in a stadium. But like either. fame isn't the idea. Mm-hmm. It's not what I'm chasing for sure. What are you chasing, Chaz? Let's go deep. Deep dive into the mind. Of I, I don't know. I just want to keep playing bass. You just want to keep, keep meeting more bass. musicians around the world, and mm-hmm. I'd like to. I mean, there's few stops coming up where I haven't been to Anchorage yet as a for myself playing music. 
Okay. I, I've been through Anchorage with larger entities like the Ratfish Wranglers oh, Controls Band. Okay. Right. But so trying to set up my own opportunities in Anchorage is the next step. Mm. In Sitka is the next step as just okay. another southeast place, right? So uh, like I played in Petersburg, and I've played over in Prince of Wales, and I've played more and more in Juneau. But just trying to have as many co- connections as possible, mm-hmm. and uh, so that when a thing comes up and that they need a bass player, that I might be able to be the guy. Mm-hmm. And then the next step is just to keep pushing that north, staying in Alaska and building Alaska arts communities, like mm. uh, through Akimi, which I represent at Ketchikan. It's kind of a local uh, estate. It's not quite a union, mm. but it is a like musicians ad- advocacy group. Okay, yeah. And uh, they had a big old meeting online, and I submitted a little video introduction, mm. and uh, they're they're just collecting data for things. Uh, putting out musicians, uh, really like resources for grants, mm-hmm. things like that, and uh, but their offices are in Juneau and Anchorage, and I've been more interested in that lately, trying to see what they're doing and be a part of the larger Alaska community, mm-hmm. where Southeast feels very separate from you know the big population center, mm-hmm. you know most of the time. Like and and that's fine with me. I wouldn't have it any other way, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want a road. <laughs> no, I don't want anybody to just be able to drive here, and but it'd be good to start setting up more connections in Anchorage that I don't have right now. So absolutely, I mean, I would love to see. Not, I, I agree with you. Absent a road, yeah, <laughs> having there be more connection even between yeah. southeast, and which it sounds that's, like that's been my goal mostly lately. And I work with uh, Taylor Vidic in uh, Juno. Hmm. Is uh, doing a lot of what I do, but I have more like a, a more uh, executive capacity, mm. official capacity. That's right. what I mean. It sounds like you're you're so doing she's, more she's advocacy. So she's the booker, okay, and yeah. uh, in Juno for the venue that I play at when I go up there often. Mm. But uh, just trying to have a have a more cohesive uh, Southeast music community where, in a mm-hmm. given weekend, maybe right now, for instance, no one in Ketchikan knows what's going on in Juno in a given weekend, and vice versa, which are the two population centers in mm-hmm. Southeast. But um, there's just I, it's difficult to travel, and that makes sense. But just to have more resources for artists between communities, mm-hmm. where if we can bring uh, Juno people down here and vice versa easily, mm-hmm. and we have resources for that, and we have the connections for that, and just to know who's playing in the region, which, again, is hard because you don't know what's going on in another city. Every, we're all like city-states. We're like Greek city-states <laughs> right. in these little bubbles that uh, where there's just a hurdle of effort with mm. Alaska Airlines or the ferry or whatever it mm-hmm. is. Um, it's not a a small deal to just hop over to another community. Right. So, well, I'd imagine, you know, especially as a musician, depending on what instrument you play, yeah. it's hard to travel and you don't necessarily yeah. want to use house instruments somewhere. Sure. You go. So, so as a bass player, usually if it's an upright gig, um, I don't travel with my own upright bass. <laughs> oh, you don't check that on Alaska no, no, airlines. No, <laughs> it takes like a $4,000 travel case. Oof. And then with these like little bunny hop flights, you're just going up and down, up and down, up and down. Mm-hmm. It's still kind of sketchy, even though the, the flight time might be short. Um, there's a whole lot of movement in the luggage, and mm-hmm. uprights are kind of like pianos, where a pianist isn't taking their piano around all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I go to Juno or anywhere, usually there's a unless I take the ferry, which for Folk Fest I will, so I'm going to take my own upright. Oh, nice. But normally uh, I borrow one from the community, and I know all the bass players in Southeast for the most part, and so mm-hmm. I can borrow something from somebody and make it work. If it's electric, I can take an electric well enough. Okay. Now, uh, when you take your upright on the mm-hmm. ferry, do you plan to play on the ferry? There will likely the be a lot of Juno people or Folk Fest people on the ferry coming north. 
So I will probably be playing upright on the ferry. Is that something that's planned, or is that going to just be impromptu? That's usually what happens, is my understanding. I haven't been on the ferry since I was in high school. Oh, wow. So, okay. Other than the like, inner island ferry to Craig. Oh, okay. Yeah, my wife and I uh, took the ferry up from Bellingham yeah. when we moved here a few years ago and it was a i i did not know what it was going to be i'd been on a cruise ship before yeah. and so I, I i didn't expect it to be anything like like a cruise ship mm-hmm. uh but I, I think i was expecting it to be a little bit more like an airplane and a little <laughs> bit less like a greyhound bus yeah. <laughs> it was an amazing experience yeah. uh you know food was great the service was great everything i just i i didn't really like i said i didn't know what to expect yeah. uh but i could see you know in some of those lounges if there was live music yeah. going on when we were on there, well, we would have to, loved that. Now, the bars are open again, is my understanding. The, oh, that's right. The, the bar, bar, the bar the was closed when we were on exactly. there because it was like, just coming out of the yeah. pandemic. Uh, well, the bar was closed for a long time. They closed it many years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, because okay. just funding cuts. Oh, and uh, I see. funding is the ferry system is wrestling with funding for a long time. It's been very frustrating. Um, politicians mm. and, and voters in the uh, you know South Central Alaska uh, don't give a dang about the ferries, mm. you know. What do you mean? You know, just just drive. You know, mm-hmm. no, no difference. And that's one, just one of the ways that you know Alaska's so huge, mm-hmm. and uh, the cultures are so different. Where like Wasilla area feels like Texas, mm-hmm. and then but Southeast feels more like an extension of Northwest culture. Exactly. Um, and, that's a good uh, analogy. Yeah, and it's you know there's frustrating things about that. But now the bars are open. Yeah, that's cool. We could play in the bars. But for music fest trips in high school, we always just played in the solarium mm-hmm. or wherever we were at, and uh, that was always fun. Yeah, I know it's funny you mentioned that, like Alaska being so big in the different different areas, mm. because it is, you know, as someone who's not from here, I have no, and I've I've never been out. I've been to Juneau as the farthest north yeah. that I've been, but I can imagine that there's there's a bit of a a divide there, um, and even like you were saying, you know, it, it seems like the music scene in yeah. Ketchikan is different even than in than in, in Juneau, Juneau very much. And yeah. It's fascinating why how it's so different. And something to do with just Alaska's, or with Ketchikan's, a little more industrial, a little more blue collar, mm. and uh, and it's like Juno. You have all this, uh, it's all this folk music. You have the folk festival. I don't know if the folk festival is like the tumor, like a symptom of the cancer that is folk music, <laughs> or if don't don't sugarcoat it. Or yes. it, like which one came first, the chicken or the egg situation? <laughs> right. And uh, so it's like Juno's the wealthiest community I've ever seen. But they LARP kind of like they're in down home Kentucky, and everybody <laughs> okay. wears flannel and then plays plays guitar, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just kind of silly. And then and then not have like good working drummers, right? Yeah, that's interesting because it's, it's... Uh, fr- so that's frustrating for me. So last last time we played for the governor was the last big travel gig. Mm. It was me with Austin Hayes from Ketchikan. Mm-hmm. They called it the Southeast Swingers okay. or something, and uh, it was just the governor's ball, the inaugural ball, mm. something like that. And uh, and so we got uh, me and Austin Hayes, who was on here last week's, mm-hmm. and then uh, we had a guitarist from Sitka, and then pianist, sax, and uh, vocals from Juno. Hmm. And uh, I don't know where else going with that. Sounds like a good group and it was, a it was good cool. gig. And but so so now, as we're wrapping up here, yeah. what where does this uh, animosity towards folk come from? I'm just just out well, of it's curiosity. Just, it's not that it's animosity towards folk. It's that it's just fascinating how that part of the culture is different. Okay, when anybody looking objectively would guess that Ketchikan is probably more folky. Folky, yeah. But then Ketchikan, it's all just funk and rock bands mm-hmm. and dance bands and stuff. It's because we're cooler here. 
We're way cooler. It does seem like that sometimes. No, it definitely seems like that most of the time. So Juno's a funny... Uh, there's funny things about Juno, for sure. Mm-hmm. And there's awesome things about Ketchikan. I feel like yeah. it is... You know, Juno might have the population, they might have some of the money, but we have, I think, more heart and a little bit more spirit. There, there's kind of... There's a veil of pretense mm-hmm. in front of everybody in Juno, it feels like. There's mm-hmm. a little layer. It's a little more on the kind of Portland-Seattle spectrum, but mm-hmm. doesn't deserve to be, necessarily. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's something about... It's oh, just all the government work and the, like, these easy short-term government contracts mm-hmm. and where Ketchikan just has a little more hustly culture mm-hmm. and uh, people go a little harder. Uh, I was in the bars on Sunday at Juno and there was nobody out mm. and because uh, everybody had jobs. <laughs> they got, well, they had to go to work. Yeah, and uh, I, was, <laughs> I was embarrassed for them. <laughs> So Ketchikan's a lot saltier. It's, you know, you have the fishermen Salt coming through and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas Ketchikan, or Juno doesn't really have any fishing. It's mm-hmm. not so much of uh, just, uh, it's not so industrial. So what you're saying, it sounds like you're saying people from Juno should come down to Ketchikan and, and learn to relax and use yeah. as their... their uh, well, we, the last big Juno, Juno Dude Mountain show uh, in October, we had like 25 Ketchikan people flew up for that. Oh, uh, nice. Uh, they got drunk on the plane and just... In their oh, no. sluttiest attire, Uh-oh. just bum rushed into uh, into the Crystal Saloon with all the uptight Juno people. Like they watch, and you know, with their with arms, arms crossed, like like in Seattle. And then all these ah, catch can people, people just come in shaking around. And then uh, yeah, we just wrecked downtown Juno for like two days. Sounds like a blast. Yeah, it was great. So if you want to see Chaz live and in person playing, yep. next opportunity would be Friday, right? Uh, yeah, yes. Today's Wednesday. Today's Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, it would be just Friday at New York Cafe. It's just usual. I've been playing there for 10 years, 7 to 9-ish. 7 to 9-ish at the New York Cafe, and then otherwise at the Fish House on Sunday. Yeah, Fish House Sundays. Uh, For 2 to 4, we have a set, and then open mic 6 to 9. 6 to 9. Well, Chaz, thank you so much for stopping by today and chatting about everything and nothing with me. And thank you all for tuning in to First City Forum. We're going to get you back to the hits here on KTKN and CatchCanRadio.com. And I'll be back tomorrow with the Catch Can Wellness Coalition. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Have a good one.